you today that you are so awesome. God, we just want to tell you again today that we love you. We just want to tell you thank you, God, for everything you've done for us, everything that you are in our lives. And God, we'll give you all the praise and the glory. And God, we pray that you would speak to us today. God, that your word would be alive to us, that it would challenge us, that it would change us, that God, we would be everything that we need to be in Jesus' name. And everyone in the house shouted, Amen. Come on, Amen. We're going to talk today about the parents' prayer. The title of our message is The Parents' Prayer. Over the last few weeks of having a new child into our home, Judah James will be three weeks old tomorrow. Having a new child in your home has made me take a step back as a parent and really look at my life, really look at the example of my life because having another child, number six in our home, that's another great responsibility. A a new child is an incredible responsibility because you can't just say to the child, get up and dress yourself. Come on, you can't just drop that baby off on the bus and say, I'll pick you up at three o'clock. That child needs your attention 20 Four, seven, and it's a major deal. And one thing I've looked at, and I've really been praying, I said, God, I've got to get it right. As a parent, I've got to get this right because it's not only my children that's going to be affected, but it's my children's children, and it's going to carry on in life. And I thank God that I, I have godly parents that I can follow their example. I thank God so much for my mum and dad. They're in the back right now with Pete during the, during the iConnect series. But I'm so glad that I had godly parents that instructed me and brought me up. Kelly is glad that she had good parents. Kelly's parents didn't have the same spiritual um, beliefs as what I did. Her parents didn't really bring her up into church, but her parents brought her up to respect authority. They brought her up to know what was right and what was wrong. And I think they did a good job. Amen. I I just think they did a good job too. And I'm conscious today that some of you didn't have, and some of you perhaps still today don't have the benefit of having good parents. And you've just kind of been thrown into there. You know, you're kind of learning as you go. And sometimes it feels like you're learning more by default than what you are by success. You're learning more on what doesn't work than what does work. But I pray that you are learning. It's important that we learn. I'm going to make a statement right now. And it's kind of random in the middle of this message. I'm just going to say this. I love church. I love church. Random statement, but yet it's not random. And the reason I would say that is it's so important for you and I to be in God's house in church. Why? So you can learn from others' examples. If you don't have great parents, you can be around good parents. 
If you didn't have those to love you and take care for you, you can be around people who will. As we learn together, yes, from God's word, thank God for that, but we can also learn by watching other people what it means to be a godly parent. And church doesn't just help us in parenting. Church helps us in our marriage. Church helps us with our work ethics. Church helps us with life, with our morals. Church helps us with our kids, with our attitudes. Church helps us to have peace when there's what? Problems all around us. I mean, church helps. Church works and, and is a vital part and needs to be a vital part of your life. But look what it says, and I'm going to demonstrate the importance of church. In Psalms 92 and verse 13, the psalmist demonstrates this to us. He says, those who are planted in the house. Notice the word planted, key word there. It's not those who just come to church when they feel like it. It's not those who are fair weather Christians that just kind of show up when LSU won the night before. And they show up because the saints ain't playing till three o'clock. Come on now. It's people who are planted in the house. It's people who are established in the house. It's people that Pastor P every Sunday can get up and say, man, they're going to be in the house. They're going to be there supporting us. They're going to be there encouraging us. And the promise is those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. Say with me, flourish. They shall flourish in the courts of God. You know, I believe that word flourish also includes the fact that you can be a better parent. That those who are planted in the house, their parenting can flourish. That they can be better parents. That we can see our lives as we're planted, as we're connected in the house. That we can see ourselves becoming the godly parents that we need to be and our family needs us to be. I know this morning we're going to be talking about parenting and maybe for you that's not where you're at. Your life doesn't fall under that category. Maybe you're still single, you don't have kids. Maybe your kids are are real grown and they're out of the house and stuff. But I don't want you to switch off and say, oh, here we go, it's not a message for me. We're going to teach you principles today that are going to be important in every aspect of your life. As we look at our lives as parents today, Parents were dealing with the importance of being everything that we need to be. I believe outside of being the godly example that we need to be for our children, teaching them right, making sure that they're in the house of God, making sure that they're prioritized in the house of God, I believe the next best thing we can do is we can pray for them. I believe that we need to pray for them. I believe by our prayers, we can literally set the course for our children's lives. That we can pray for the right friends to be around them. We can pray for the right involvement for them to be a part of. I believe that through our prayers, we can guide the lives of our children. Look what it says in James 5, verse 16 through 18. And this is the last part of verse 16. It says this, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman, what does it do? It availeth much, much. New Living Translation says, the earnest prayers of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful 
results. The Message Bible says, The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. What have we read? The effective, fervent prayer of a godly parent, because we're talking about parenting today, has power. It availeth much. It accomplishes much. It does exactly what we ask for God to do. And then I love what it says in the next few verses, in verse 17 and 18, it gives us an example of such kind of prayer. It says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. How many are glad that God used people like you? I'm really glad that God used people like me, because then that means God can use me. That means I'm not discredited from being used of God. The Bible is very clear, and the Bible doesn't waste words. We waste words. We say a lot of things we've got no business to say, but the Bible doesn't waste words. So when the Bible says Elijah was a man like us, it's for a purpose, it's for a point to show us that he wasn't superman. He wasn't spider-man, he wasn't a superhuman, he was a human that loved God and was dedicated and committed to God. And what does it say? The man who was just like us, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And listen to this, God heard his prayer and it did not rain on the earth for three and a half years. Three years and six months, an ordinary man just like you and I prayed an earnest prayer and believed God. And verse 18, and he prayed again. Actually, we would see that he prayed seven times this time. He was persistent in his prayer. I want you to see something, the importance of persistence in prayer. That he prayed again, and what? The heavens opened up. They gave rain, and the earth produced fruit. Elijah prayed. God heard, and God answered, and gave him what he prayed for. I want to tell you something today. Prayer causes great things to happen. Prayer causes things to happen. Come on, prayer changes events. There is power in prayer. Most of you, if not all of you, are here today because someone prayed for you. One of the greatest prayers, I believe, is the prayer of a mother. A mother or a father's prayer that would pray, that would not be denied. Most of you are here today because your mother prayed. And she prayed for you. And if you're here today because of that prayer, your children can be here today because of your prayer. When I began to think about prayer, I was reminded of this statement that I read many years ago in a book called Too Busy Not to Pray. And the statement goes like this. When we work... We work, but when we pray, God works. If you ever tried to figure out things and try to do it on your own and you work through it, guess what? You get the reward of your labor. When you work, you work. But notice what happens when we begin to pray. God begins to work. And the way he works is infinitely more than we could even imagine or dream In our wildest dreams, come on, he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond. According to what? The power, the prayer, the life that we release and allow to live inside of us. God can do great things. And I want to talk today about the power outside of example and being the example to our kids. The power of praying for our kids. Say with me, the parents 
prayer. You should have received a card when you came in this morning. If you did not, there'll be some available on your way out. If you need more than just one, then take them. Because I want you to put this car, this, um, this card maybe on the dash of your car or on the mirror in your house or on the fridge. Because here's what I want you to begin to pray over your family, over your children every day. And again, if parenting is not the season of your life, there's no greater prayer than a prayer like this to pray over your life every day. Pray over yourself, over you. I pray things like this over my life every day, that God would bless me, that God would use me to be everything. And in fact, I've slightly modified the message from when I got the card printed. And we're going to give you today five keys, five keys to a godly prayer, a prayer for your children. Number one, here's what I believe you need to pray as parents. Are you ready? The first part is this, that they would be a light in darkness. Pray over your children that they would be a light in darkness. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. You are a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. But they put it on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house. So let your light, verse 16, so shine before everyone before men that they may see your good works and they may glorify your Father in heaven. What a great scripture there. How important is it that we pray over our children that they would be a light in the darkness of this world, that they would bring hope, that they would bring illumination to those that they would come in contact with, that they would set ablaze a dark, evil, wicked world. You know they tell us that they're really isn't such a thing as darkness. Darkness is only the absence of light. Listen to me. Darkness is only the absence of light. See, what we've got so good at doing, unfortunately, is this. We've got so good at promoting the darkness around us. We've got so good at talking in our conversations at work or wherever we may be. Can you believe this is happening? Can you believe the president has done this? Can you believe our nation? Can you believe they're voted in on this? Can you believe, oh my God, did you hear about that shooting? Can you be, do you notice how much we promote the darkness around us? I want to tell you something right now. I believe as children of God, we've got to turn things around. It's time instead of cursing the darkness, come on, that we start to light a candle. Come on, instead of cursing the darkness that's all around us, oh, it's there. We need to start lighting a candle. We need to start being the illumination of God. Because light expels darkness. What does that mean? Light expels darkness. That means light overrides darkness. Where light is, darkness cannot stay. How many have ever been in a room, a dark room, and you've pulled the curtain shut and you've got the blinds closed and you just want to sleep and you want to get away and get under the covers, but then all of a sudden the sun begins to come up and there can be the smallest little crack in the curtains. There can be the smallest crack in the shade, but guess what happens? It's like a beacon, isn't it? It's like a spotlight illuminates your room and you're trying to sleep, but yet this little crack produces such great light. You know that crack, darkness 
does not leak out, but light flows in. It's not a case that darkness is leaking out of that crack, but it's rather that light is what? It is forcing its way in. Light is an infiltrating presence. Come on, it comes, it controls darkness. And guess, the darker the night, the brighter the light, the brighter the hope we can be. You see, Kelly and I don't wake up every day and tell our kids just how bad the world is. We don't focus too much on how evil everything is in the world. We talk to our kids about current events, of course. We don't deny that. We don't hide that. But our main focus of teaching our kids is not how bad the world is, but we want to teach them how awesome their God is. We want to teach them how great God is. We want to teach them how awesome God is. We want to teach them how incredible God is. That This circumstance maybe wasn't good, but yet through that there's a nugget of truth that we can find that can show them that they can still trust in God. That they can still believe God. We try to teach our kids, parents, listen to me. We try to teach our kids that God is greater. Come on, 1 John 4 verse 4 says these words. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. We teach our kids that they possess a darkness. They possess, I mean, a light, illumination that is greater than any darkness that they will face in their lives. Come on, you got to pray that they'll light up people's worlds. Pray that they would bring hope to their schools, to their colleges, to their workplaces, on their sports teams, into stadiums, where, into the mall, wherever they go, that they would bring light, that they would not be ashamed and hide their testimony, but they would let their light shine. I began to think also about light and other qualities that it possesses. What else does light bring with it? Whatever, what else is accompanied with light? And I began to think safety is something that light brings. That you can find the pitfalls in life when there's a light. When you've got a flashlight, you shouldn't find yourself in a hole. Come on, you're going to trip over all kind of things if you're walking in darkness. But there's safety in light. There's direction in light. When you don't know where to go, you can find it when you have lights. Turn your lights off driving home tonight. You're not going to get very far. Why? Because you can't see the direction, the turns that you need to make. But the light shows you the direction you need. Light is comfort. Remember when you were a child, perhaps your children still now, Mommy, Daddy, don't turn the light off. We have a night light on. Why? Because there's comfort that comes just through a little light, just through a little illumination. There's warmth that comes through light, that we can see the warmth that comes. And there's so many more. But listen, parents, pray over your children every day that they would be a light in darkness, that they would be a light in darkness. Point number two, that they would be leaders and not followers. Pray over your children that they would be leaders and not followers. And in parentheses on my notes, I've put this. You know what? Not all your children are going to be natural born leaders. And that's okay. Not everyone is going to be a leader in their life. So what do I do then, pastor? Here's how I pray. If they're not born to be a leader, but yet they can still be an example. But here's what I pray, that they would follow the right people. 
Come on, if they're not going to set the lead, I would pray that they would follow the right people, that they would be around the right crowd, that we, you know, when they don't know how to make those decisions, listen to me, parents, make them for them. Come on, when they don't know how to pick their friends, you pick their friends for them. And even when they think they've picked their friends, some of you need to do some unpicking of friends. Come on right now, because we're praying that our kids every day would be in a position of leadership. That they would be leaders and they would not be followers. Look what Joshua says in Joshua 24 verse 15. In this passage, he's literally given his farewell address. Joshua's old. He's lived a great life for God. He's led the children of Israel into the promised land. He's paid his dues, if you want to say it that way. But before he leaves, he leaves a challenge to everyone around. And he says these words in Joshua 24, 15. He says, And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord God, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether you're going to serve the gods which your father served that were on the other side. Come on, say with me, the wrong side. Come on, help me out, the wrong side. He said, you can choose to serve the gods that are on the wrong side. They're on the wrong side of the river. Or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell. But I want you to read, if you would, the last part of verse 15 with me. Come on, some of you just woke up. We need your help in the house. Come on, would you read that with me? Come on. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Come on, read it with me one more time. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're going to lead and pray that our children would follow that lead. That they would be leaders themselves. There's a lot of gods out there with a small g. A lot of gods out there that want to steal their attention. That want to take the hearts of our children. We need to pray that in the face of the peer pressures that they are in every day. Come on, that they will stand up and say no. That they will stand up and lead. That they will not bow. I love Rack, Shack and Benny. Anyone know who Rack, Shack and Benny is? If you've watched Veggie Tales, you know exactly who I'm talking about. If you haven't watched Veggie Tales, we're talking about Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. How many have heard about them? Come on, I love these boys. I totally respect these boys. Listen to what they say in Daniel 3, 17 and 18. They're standing before the king. They've been given the opportunity to bow and the king says, I'm going to give you one more chance. And here's what they say. They're saying, if that's the case, if you're giving us another chance, our answer's still the same and you've told us what you're going to do with us. The king said, if you don't bow, you're going to burn. I'm going to throw you in a fiery furnace. And the boy said, if that's the case, if that's what you want to do, look what they said. Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But here's what I really love in verse 18. But if not... If by some chance God doesn't do what we're praying, for some reason God chooses not to show up in the way that we perhaps think he needs to show up. Guess what? Even if God doesn't come through, what did they say? Let it be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods. We will not worship the golden image, what you have set up. In other words, they said, let it be known, we will not bow. Even if God doesn't show up. 
Guess what? We're going to represent God. Come on. God has showed up because we've showed up. Come on. It's Christ in you that's the hope of glory. Can you see? We need to pray for our kids that despite it all, they can stand. That they can keep standing. Come on. I want my kids to have that same confidence in God. I want to have that confidence in my life. I want my kids to realize that God has called them to be leaders and they don't lead from their knees. You can say, well, pastor, yes, they do lead from their knees because that's where they need to be praying. Well, that's fine. If you're on your knees praying, great. But if you're on your knees, most of the time it's because you're bowing. And you're saying, I give my life over to that which is greater than me. Bowing shows that something is greater than you. Come on, we need to pray that our kids would stand up, that they would not bow. My God, there's pressures all around them. But you know what? If there's a pressure that's inside of them that's greater than that, which is on the outside of them, come on, they're going to make it through. They're going to see God work in their lives. Young people. It's okay if you don't fit in. Parents, it's okay if your kids don't fit in. There's so much pressures out there, isn't it, that you've got to do what everyone else is doing. You, you've got to look like everyone else is looking. You've got to teach your kids it's okay to be different. Come on, it's okay to set some new standards. You know how any fad and fashion began? It began with one person who had an idea and they just kept doing it and it took on. You know, I could start a new fad. I could just kind of turn one collar up and go like this. And I could just go around for a while and people may think I'm crazy. But then all of a sudden someone else is going to say, man, I'm just going to do that. That's how a fad and a fashion begins. Why? Because one person just dares to be different. We've got to teach our kids that it's okay to be different. Come on, we've got to teach them. You know, I'm glad that I'm a part of a church that right now in our nursery, we're teaching your kids who are in there, we're teaching them this month, I believe it is, the fruits of the Spirit. I'm glad that they're not just babysitting your kids, they're giving them the Word of God. I'm glad right now that Sarah in the children's ministry is preaching the exact same message that I'm preaching in here to your kids today, that they know why you parents are going to be praying this over their lives and how they can pray this and believe this over their lives. I'm glad that Josh and his leaders in our youth group. We're not just teaching our kids fluff and stuff. Come on, we're not just giving them all these cool things. We're giving them the Word of God that can teach them how to be a leader, how to be a light in darkness, how they can stand up and not bow. But I will say this, thank God it's been taught all around you here in this house, but it must also be taught in your home. It must be taught in your home. You be a leader. You set the course for your children to follow. Don't just tell them what they need to do. You do it. You lead them. You set the example for their lives. Come on, pray over them for strength. Pray over them for ability. Pray over them for courage to lead. Or at least, as I said, to follow the right people. That they would never apologize for serving God. Pray over my kids. I pray that God today, that they would never be ashamed of who they are. Come on, we need to pray that they would be leaders and followers. Is this okay today? Come on, is this okay? Number three, we pray over our kids that they would always do what's right, even if no one else is watching. 
that we would teach our kids the importance of doing right, even if no one else is watching. Because even when no one else is watching, that's teaching our kids to have godly character. Because character is what you're, you are in the dark. Character is what you are when no one else is watching. Look what the scriptures tell us in Proverbs 4. 11 through 15. Proverbs 4, 11 through 15. And may I just add, that scripture's up there, but let me just throw in verse 10 to you right now, can I? This is Solomon, and he is teaching through Proverbs, and Solomon says, Hear my son and receive my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. Listen to what he's saying. He's saying, as a father, here's my instruction to you. And if you listen to this instruction, your life is going to be blessed. You're going to see productivity, great abundance in your life. So let's read on, verse 11 through 15. I have taught you in the way of wisdom, in the way of God. I have led you in the right path. And you may say today, well, I haven't done that. Today is a new day. Come on, parents, today is a new day. It's never too late to make a fresh start. It's never too late to make the changes that you need to make. When you wake up, your steps will not be hindered. And when you run, you will not stumble. Take firm hold of instruction and do not let it go. That's discipline and correction. Keep her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the ways of evil. Avoid it, and do not travel on it. Turn away, pass, turn away from it, and pass on. Notice the instruction of a father is what? Don't go there. Don't do the wrong things. But teaching the instruction of what to do and how to live right and how to live a life that acknowledges God in everything we do. The opportunity for our kids to do wrong is all around them every day. So what do I do? I give them the tools to deal with that. If any of you are builders, if any of you are carpenters, there's something so amazing and that is this. If you've got the right tools, the job's a whole lot easier. Come on, if you've got the right tools, if you've got a a power saw, you're going to cut a whole lot more wood than with a handsaw. Come on, thank God for the old handsaws. But my God, man, I love to get that cordless Dewalt drill and that cordless Dewalt circular saw and vroom, right through it. It's a lot simpler and a lot easy. Come on, I've had to try and chisel a piece of wood before with a screwdriver because that's all I had. Come on, it looked like I ate through that piece of wood with my teeth. It worked, but if I'd have had a chisel, a couple of knocks with a hammer, and it would have been done that quick. Parents, you have the tools. It's the Word of God. You need to give it to your kids and teach them what to do is right. I like what Arnold said in our Ask the Panel class on Sunday. You missed a great night for all of you marrieds and not married people. We had a great night asking the panel. 82 years of a marriage experience, and they were answering. And Arnold said these words. He said, you know, one of the truths that I will leave you, because I asked my mum and dad and Arnold and Miss D to leave three truths, three keys to every person. And Arnold says this, it's okay to show your kids failures in the home. He said, now you've got to be careful with what you're talking about. Or really, the word he used was problems in the home. You don't expose to your kids all the problems you're having with mom and dad. You try to protect them from that. But listen, when there's financial issues and there's struggles and there's things, you can what expose them to that so they can learn from that. Because you don't want them to get married one day and when they have problems, they think their marriage is wrecked because mum and dad never had problems. We teach them how to work through some problems. We teach them how to work through them. Come on, we give them the tools that they need to do right. What is right? 
to make the right decisions, to be polite. Come on, teach your kids to be polite, to be kind, to be generous, to be thoughtful, to be mannerable, to have godly morals. Teach them to do right. I think one of the biggest nightmares a parent has is this. How do my kids act when I'm not around? Come on, have you ever said that? Man, I just wonder what my kids say and what they do. Kelly and I were always so glad. Most of the time, about 99% of the time, people would come up to us and say, man, your kids were so well behaved. And we're like, Whew. wow, your kids were so mannerable and respectful. Whew. But you see, we can worry about that. But you know what? Stop worrying and start acting on it. Come on, instead of worrying about it, teach them right. Come on, pray for them. Teach, to live their, teach them that they live their lives in front of Jesus. What a great thought to teach your kids that they live their lives in front of Jesus. Why? Because he's always there. He's always there. There's nothing the Bible says that we do that is hidden from his sight. So whatever the worst thing we do, Jesus is right there watching us do that. We've got to teach our kids that our lives, everything we do, come on, we are living our lives in front of Jesus. Look at this statement, right is still right, regardless of who opposes it. And wrong is still wrong, no matter who is for it. The standard of God's word is always the same. Come on, teach your kids that they will do right even if no one else is watching. Point number four, that they would be strong in temptation. That they would be strong in temptation. Parents, it's impossible to create a temptation-free zone for your kids. It's impossible, no matter what you do, to create a life where your kids will never be tempted to do the wrong things. And unfortunately, with all the great things that technology has brought with it, it has also opened up a door that we never thought growing up we would ever see how our kids' lives can be totally impacted through just one smartphone. How it's so the whole world can influence them and impact their life just through something that they can hold in the palm of their hand. Come on, we cannot shelter them forever. But you know what we can do? We can pray that God will give them the strength to say no in the face of temptation. Come on, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except is common to man. But God is faithful. Thank God he is. I love that part, that God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. You're able to withstand it, he says. But with that temptation, he'll make a way of escape. Come on, say with me, no. That's your way of escape most times, just to be able to say no. Come on, to be able to say no to those things. He'll make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it, that you may be able to endure it. Don't get the picture in your mind that we're struggling through, that we're just barely making it, that we're going to sweat it out through the temptation. What he's talking about is that we can overcome the temptation. Our children can overcome it, that we can move on from it. I love what the Message Bible says of 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have to face. All you need to remember is that God will never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit. He'll always be there to help you come through it. Come on, it's a scary world we serve, but come on, we serve a bigger God. Come on, 
Come on, what our kids face today in their schools is nothing compared to what we faced and we thought we had it bad. Come on, they're constantly bombarded with pressures. But I'm telling you right now, it doesn't matter how great the pressures is, God is still greater. Come on, 1 John 4, 4. Greater is He that is within us. God is still greater. We cannot keep our kids, as I said, from every tempting situation. But we pray that God can keep them strong in it. Come on. We pray that God would give them the strength not to give in to it. Listen to me, young people. Just because it's before you doesn't mean you have to give in to it. Look at this statement. Satan never attacks strength. He attacks weaknesses. Why should I pray over my kids every day that God would make them strong? Because I'm praying that God would strengthen them in their areas of weakness. Because that's the areas that Satan's going to target and pinpoint in their lives. Doing everything I can to build them up in those areas. Not only by prayer, but with my life, with my words, with everything that I am. Come on, we must pray that our children have strength. That they would be strong in temptation. And one more that's not on your card, but this is something that I really felt led that I needed to add. And that is this, number five, that pray every day that, that God will protect them. That God will protect your kids. Just this week we saw in Sparks, Nevada, another school shooting. A 13-year-old boy walks into his school before school begins. Kids are just arriving with a gun and begins to shoot people. What used to be a safe place for our kids is now a war zone. But I want to tell you right now, you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to live bound by fear because fear is not of God. Read 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. God's not given you a spirit of fear. God's given you power. What do I mean by power? God's given you something to be able to counteract And one of the greatest powers that God has given us is the power of prayer. Come on, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Don't give in to fear. Here's our last scripture for today. And here it goes. Psalms 91 verse 11 and 12. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. God's says, I'll give you guardian angels that will be all around you, that will be around your kids to help them and to protect them and to be there with them. The Message Bible says, I love it, evil cannot get close to you, harm cannot get through the door. Because he ordered his angels to guard you wherever you go. If you stumble, they will catch you because their job is to keep you from falling. Parents, you need to pray protection over your kids every day. That God, you would go before them. I pray this over my kids every day. God, would you guard their eyes? Would you guard their ears? Would you guard their mouth? Would you guard their minds? Would you guard them physically? Because I don't want anything to come into their bodies that would harm them and cause them pain. Come on, pray that God would protect them. Parents, 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 never, never underestimate the power of prayer. And I want you to remember this, the number one reason still why prayers are not answered is because prayers are not first prayed. The number one reason for unanswered prayers 
is unprayed prayers. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.